welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. Good morning. This morning we're going to talk about the cross. Now the cross is universally recognised as the symbol of the Christian faith. Uh, we see it on the front of Bibles, fixed to the side of churches. Um, we see the cross um, around believers' necks on, uh, on jewellery. And um, if you stop and think about it, it's actually quite an unusual uh, religious symbol. It's not like any other religious symbol um, because it's actually a, a symbol that represents something that's the most cruel and brutalist uh, death you can imagine. Um, I, I wonder if, if we were to, to, re, to, to, to completely forget everything um, about the cross and everything to, that, that it represents and then to see it again for the first time, um, I wonder um, what our impression of it would be. Um, so this morning we're going to examine uh, the cross a little bit more closely. And um, if you're a young person or a child, or even if you're an adult and you want to do some, uh, some colouring, um, now would be the time to go and get a pencil and a piece of paper because I have an activity for you to do uh, during this preach. So if you go now and get yourself a pen and a piece, uh, sorry, some pencils and some crayons and some uh, piece of paper. Uh, and in a moment, I will, um, I will give you the first instruction in the drawing that we're going to do together. So we're going to read um, from the Bible. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 1 um, from verse 18 to chapter 2, verse 5. So um, the title of this section is Christ Crucified is God's power and wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him 
that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So this morning we're going to look at three uh, distinct things. We're going to look at um, the centrality of the cross, the challenge of the cross, and the implication of the cross. That is what difference it makes to us. So um, I said we were going to do some drawing as well. So if I can just share my screen with you. So to start with, um, what I want you to do is I want you to draw um, a piece of land on the left-hand side of the page that looks like this. This is the piece of land, and this is a cliff. And over here, this is where, this is where we are without God. So this side of the page over here, this is all quite gloomy. So I want you to colour this in, and it's all gloomy. Maybe put some black clouds over here. But this is the gloomy side of the page. Um, so get some dark colours, some browns, some greys, and uh, we'll come back to this picture again in a minute. So Paul is passionate in this Bible passage that we've just read. He's passionate about Jesus's crucifixion. The, the, the cross is absolutely central um, to the message that he's about to deliver in the rest of the book, and it's central to his um, beliefs. Um, and he, he says this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. Um, just to set the, the scene a little bit, in the book of um, 1 Corinthians, or the letter of 1 Corinthians, um, the, the letter is written by Paul from Ephesus um, to the Corinthian church. And Corinth is this um, major seaport, and it's a centre of... Um, a centre of trade, and it's it's this place, this real mixing pot of different philosophies and ideas. Um, people would meet there to debate modern philosophy, and not just that, but also, as you find when you read um, later in Corinthians, it's also a place where all these different morals and different thinking about philosophies and new ideas are not just discussed, but they're also experimented with in the ways that people conduct themselves morally. Um, the Corinthian letter is, um, I think, a really a brilliant comparison to our postmodern world. It, there is so many things when you read in the letter to the Corinthians that, that just completely apply um, to the world that we live in today, um, the state of, of, um, of our society that we're part of. So why is the cross so central to Paul's teaching and beliefs? Um, the first, the most important thing I would say is that it's central because 
um, as Paul says himself in verse 21, God was pleased to save those who believe. See, the cross was preordained. It was always planned. It was God's idea. It's actually God's rescue mission. Um, and in Ephesians 1, um, if you were to go to Ephesians 1, talks about this a lot. And in verse 5, it says it's God's pleasure and will. It's God's pleasure and will to set about, to, to, to design before the dawn of time, this amazing rescue mission, this rescue plan. And it was God's idea to rescue us in this way um, because God wants to be with us. He wants us to be rescued so that we can spend eternity with him. Um, as we heard last week from Paul, um, we heard about um, the wrath of God and the, the, that wrath shield. And um, in verse 30, Paul's talking about, um, he says, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You see, we've been, we're, we're being saved for a reason, um, to make us, to make us uh, righteous or to give us God's righteousness, um, to make us to be made holy, for us to be made holy. And also for our redemption, for us to be redeemed, that is the purpose of the cross. And that is why it is completely central to Paul's teaching. Um, because they, there is a cross, there is a cross, there is a cost um, for our redemption. And that, that cost was paid, um, the price was paid by Jesus when he offered up his life in the place of mine, in the place of yours. Jesus had no sin, but he took the penalty for our sin. Um, and this is, this, is not, this is not a popular... Um, it's not a popular thing to talk about, um, to talk about the, the thought that God might have wrath against us. But this is just, this is the truth of God. This is, this is where we find ourselves as fallen people. Um, but we have this amazing opportunity to be redeemed, to, be, um, to have our lives bought back. Um, and that's what, Jesus, that's what Jesus came to do at the cross. So, um, kids, I hope, kids and adults, I hope you've uh, done your gloomy side now. We're going to jump over to the, um, back to our drawing. We're going to draw on the, the brighter side now. So we're going to draw another cliff over here. And then, so hopefully you can see this. There's a cliff there and this is the brighter side. Maybe there might be some grass up here. There might be some rainbows and things. So if you can colour this in bright, probably need a sunshine. Colour this in all bright. And what we've done now is we've created, this is the chasm that exists. This is where God is. God is over here on this side, this sunny, bright, shiny side. And we've created this chasm, this, this void, this rift between us. So we're going to look now at the challenge, um, the challenge of the cross. Put plainly, the cross challenges our pride um, because it, it, there is nothing that we can do ourselves to earn our salvation. We can't work up our redemption. Um, and, and that's why in verse 23, Paul says, the cross is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Greeks. And we're just going to spend a few minutes looking at the significance of this. These Jews and these Greeks, who are they? Because these, the Jews and the Greeks that Paul's talking about 
are um, they're just as much part of our lives and our daily experience as being a, a separate people group. So um, who are the Jews? The Jews, um, Paul says, demand a sign. And, and I think it's brilliant that he says it because in um, the Gospels, Jesus has already, has already said the same thing and he responds to, um, responds to them uh, in Matthew 16, verse 4. He says, no sign will be given to them except the sign of Jonah, referring to his own burial and, and resurrection. Um, see, the Jews are the, um, the religious type, the religiousness, our religiousness. Um, it's when we try to work towards our salvation, when we look to be acknowledged for our good deeds, um, like we can somehow earn God's favour or earn, our, our, earn this, this, um, this salvation, earn our way into heaven. That's the religious mindset. You've got to remember that religious people killed Jesus um, because he didn't appear respectful. He didn't appear in the way that they expected him to appear. He didn't fit into their agenda or their plan of what the Messiah would look like. Um, and how often, how often I have my own agenda um, of, of what I, of how I want God to, to be in a situation, how I want things to pan out in a situation. Jesus didn't appear to the Jews um, to fit into their box. He couldn't tidy Jesus away into a certain category because he hung out with the riffraff. He hung out with the lowest people in society, with the undesirables. Um, and that didn't sit well with the religious, with the respectable um, religious man, you know, which, which is inside of us or can be inside of us. Um, And then there's the Greek. Um, who, who is the Greek? And the Greek, I mean, this is obviously written um, to um, the church in Greece, but the, the Greek, as we've already said, that this, this melting pot of, of wisdom. And the Greek um, is this, the person who is seeking wisdom. And I'm not talking about godly wisdom, because obviously we can't say there's definitely nothing wrong with seeking godly wisdom. Um, but the the wisdom that, um, that we're talking about here is much more worldly wisdom. You know, it's, it's at the, the time that this was written um, in the, the first century church is the, also the same time as Gnosticism, um, which is, you know, completely the same as what we have today, this idea that you can, you can pick and choose these different... Um, philosophies there's a complete fluidity to um to what you can choose to believe and what you can take as you own. you know i might choose that i'm going to follow this person for a bit and and accept what they say and that becomes part of my uh, understanding and part of my world view um and it's my own experience that um actually my christianity is completely has been in the past um completely recolored by um, by my own worldview my the, the, the things that I thought the things that I believed before I was a Christian when I became a Christian I then brought some of those things and I made them fit my Christianity and, and this is a very real thing for me in the last few years I had a real struggle because I had this revelation from God that actually I've been 
constructing my own version of God, um, making out, making making God fit into the boxes that I want him to fit into. That that a certain bit of theology, um, I, my my, I would actually, um, I would have taken it from what I used to believe, or I would take it from the, the way that I'd been influenced to think this postmodern way of thinking. And it was actually only for me. Uh, this is, and like I say, this is my own personal testimony. That it's through reading the Bible, I started to see, things started to speak to me in the Bible that were completely contrary to the way that I'd built God, the way that I'd built my own religion, uh, my own philosophies, my own um, ideas about about God. And God started to challenge me on that. Um, and this, there's this kind of prevalence in our society for. You know, we live in a generation of Facebook likes and Instagram likes, Facebook followers and likes. You know, it's a um, we want status on the internet. We can be whoever we want to be. We can show everybody the best bits on our Facebook wall. Um, we can effectively communicate this this persona um, that is that is constructed how we want the world to see us, and it's built around. Um, it's built around being a lot of the time about being stronger, being victorious, being heroic in our own lives, in our own way. And this is very much like the Greek gods. Um, the, the idea in Greece that a god would die on a cross to save people is, is that's completely contrary to the idea that the, the Greeks had with their gods. Um, that their gods are much more like the gods of this age, which are heroic and victorious and strong. Um, we've got to be careful that we don't reinterpret the truth about um, the truth from the Bible, the truth about God through postmodern glasses, um, because that would be that would be false. That would be wrong, and, and that's definitely a character trait of the Greek of the one that that application of wisdom um and along the same lines and in a similar vein jesus's victory is not in plain sight for us to see jesus jesus's victory at, at the cross he doesn't come across he doesn't appear to be strong um he isn't it isn't um an obvious display of might and power isaiah even says about jesus in a prophecy he even says that he's not that much to look at. Um, that that's not that's not what we want to hear on our Facebook uh, on our Facebook feed. Um, we think we think about being the best and achieving greater things, but the kingdom of God is is upside down. The kingdom of God is not like that. Jesus says the first will be last, and he, he, again later on he says um, you must lose your life. To save it, um, see the, the the thing about Jesus's messages and the thing about the cross is that what Jesus offers the religious completely undoes their religion, and what he offers the wise it completely dismantles their wisdom. So we're going to jump back to our picture now. So if you uh, hopefully you've done your gloomy side and your brighter side, the side without God and the side with God. So we need that, um, we need to get from this side over here, choose a colour in Microsoft Paint, 
other drawing packages are available. So you need to get from this side to that side. And as we've just been talking about, our um, the religious way doesn't quite make it. And the, the wisdom, the way of, of uh, the Greek, that doesn't quite make it either. So we need, we need um, a way to get across. And the only way to get across is through this rescue mission that Jesus, that Jesus um, came to bring to us. And the rescue mission that Jesus set out on built a bridge for us. And that bridge looks like this. See, this is the bridge, oops, this is the bridge that Jesus built. So I want you to draw the cross into the, into the gap, into the void, into the chasm. This is the bridge that gets us from this side where it's gloomy to the other side where God is. So it's time now to examine ourselves. To, to look um, with fresh eyes in on ourselves and see, is Christ central? Is the cross central in our lives? Um, are, we, are we religious? Do we have a religious man, a religious person inside us? Do we have that worldly wise man living inside us? Do we recognise those character traits in any way? inside us is Christ central if you don't know Jesus or, or even if you do know Jesus perhaps you see like the Jew a weak and feeble God that's not respectable that you couldn't possibly follow that you couldn't accept the death of in your place a criminal's death dying on a cross brutally with criminals or maybe you, you, you see like the Greek, um, complete foolishness that I can decide for myself what I follow. I can pick and choose the bits that I accept from, uh, from the Bible and the bits I accept from other, from other places, other philosophers, other, um, other thoughts. I'm not hurting anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt anybody else for me to do that. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would come to recognise in yourself the Jew and the Greek, that you would come to recognise in yourself the need for your redemption, that Jesus died for a reason, for a reason, and that reason was for you and me. See, we've got to recognise that Paul didn't have any clever um, message to bring. He didn't have a constructed um, discussion, a clever intellectual argument that he could, that he could bring into um, different people's lives to meet them where they were at. He didn't have, he didn't construct something himself. Uh, he didn't construct this message. The message that he had was just, God's honest truth, God's message, God's way. And it appears in the Bible. And that, that amazing truth is 
Jesus' death on the cross in place of us. Only God has the power to save us. Only God. So let's put Jesus back at the centre. As Paul said it, resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Thanks.